Okay, if you have your Bibles, the book of 2 Kings chapter 1, I'll ask you to stand to your feet tonight as we look in these first eight verses this evening of this tremendous chapter out of the book of 2 Kings. Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab, and Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria, and he was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go, inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. And when the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, Why are you now turned back? And they said unto him, There came a man up to meet us, and said unto us, Go, turn again unto the king that sent you, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel? that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Therefore thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And he said unto them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? And they answered him, He was a hairy man and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. I want to preach this thought tonight, God being our helper. Who do you turn to in times of trouble? When you have trouble, who is it that you turn to? Father, would you help us to preach the word? We ask your help now in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We'll make Four or five points tonight and we'll be done. Number one, I'm just going to hit the high, high spots here. Number one, I see a crisis of God's people. A crisis of God's people. What's the crisis? Verse one says that the wicked king of Israel, his name was Ahab, he's died. And we could read about him in the previous chapter and how he turned over his reign to his son Ahaziah in verses 51, 52, and 53. And Ahaziah, King Ahab's son, is just as wicked as his daddy was. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He walked in the ways of Ahab and of Jezebel and in the way of Jeroboam who established the worship of false gods in Israel. So there's a crisis in Israel it is a time of death. There's another crisis in Israel. There's a time of danger. Not only has their leadership... Imagine if something should happen to a president back when Kennedy was assassinated and the unrest and the, and the unstabilization, if that's a word, that was in our nation at that point in time. Some of you are old enough to remember those days. Imagine the change of leadership, how unstable our country was at that point in time. There's a change of leadership here. It's a time of death. There's also a time of danger because the Bible says in verse 1, 
then Moab rebelled. So right in the middle of this political instability and the probably presiding economic issues, Moab, who's been under dominion of Israel, comes out from underneath that dominion and they began to rebel. They've been in the dominion, under the dominion of Israel since the days of King David. That's been a long time up to King Ahaziah. Time of death, a time of danger. Thirdly, it's a time of distress. There's a new king. His name is Ahaziah. He ended up reigning over Israel for two short years. The Bible says it's a time of distress because the new king has fallen down through a lattice, verse 2, in his upper chamber that was in Samaria. He's seriously hurt and he's very, very sick. He's deathly sick. In fact, he takes some of his cabinet members, his staff, messengers, and says to them, I want you to go and inquire of Baal whether I'm going to live or whether I'm going to die. In trouble, Ahaziah turned to Baal to ask if he would be recovered. Now I would just stop and say time out long enough to say this. In our nation, in a time of distress, in a time of danger, in a time of disease, in a time of destruction, hurricanes and tornadoes and floods, who is it that our nation turns to? Do we turn to China? It's quiet. Do we turn to Iran, Iraq? Do we turn to the government? Who is it that we turn to in times of trouble? I'm just asking a question. There is, number one, a crisis of God's people. Let me ask this. Let's get a little little bit more personal. Who do you turn to when you get sick? Well, I go see the doctor. Your first choice needs to be the great physician. We need to seek his face in prayer. When it's time to make a decision, you just go ahead, you and your wife talk about it, and you go ahead and do it. You turn to your wife, you turn to your husband. That's good and all, but you need to turn to the Lord. And I'm telling you, all all across the board, amongst our local churches nowadays, God is not our first option. Doctors are, stockbrokers are, husbands and wives are. I'm telling you, you young people, you hear me. When you get in trouble, the first person you turn to is going to be your mama and daddy. That's good. Thank God for it. But the first person you need to turn to is you need to have a talk with the Lord and say, Lord, I have a decision. I have a problem. I have a crisis. I have trouble in my life, okay? Are you, do, you, do you get me? Who do you turn to in times of trouble? I'm telling you, oftentimes, even in times of sickness, we turn to an Advil bottle or a Tylenol bottle And some people turn to a whiskey bottle in times of trouble. I'm telling you, it's really a statement who it is we turn to when trouble comes in our life. I'm going to move on. Number two, I want you to see the conditions from God's perspective. Now, I want to read out of Exodus chapter 34, and I want you to turn there. Maybe they'll put it up on the screen. Exodus 34 and verse number 14. Exodus 34 Verse number 14. Exodus 34, verse 14. Let's read the verse. For thou shalt worship no other little g God. You're not to worship Baal. You're not to worship money. 
You're not to worship the God of the lake or the God of the golf course or the God of the sale that's at the local flea market. You are to have no other God before you for the Lord, look at it, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah God, whose name is Jealous, capital J, that's his name. Well, preacher Darren, I know him as Alpha. I know him as, as, as uh, Omega. I know him as Wonderful. I, I know him as Friend. I know him as Savior. I know him as Lord. I know him as King of Kings. I know him as the Messiah. I know him as the Christ. I know him as the Day Star. I know him as a Eternal Father. I know him as God. Let me tell you something. His name is Jealous. He is a jealous God. Now let's identify with that for just a second. Many of you husbands, you're jealous over things pertaining to your wife. Many of you wives are per- jealous over things pertaining to your husband and you'd do well to do so. God is jealous over his people. He does not want you turning to other gods when he's been so good to you and he's blessed you with all these blessings of salvation and forgiveness and blessings of health and and blessings of wealth and giving you a roof over your head and clothes on your back and shoes on your feet and a fine family. I feel preaching stirring in me tonight. God has been good to us. And after all the goodness that he's given to us, when we get in trouble, we run and turn somewhere else. Oh, no, 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 no. I think not. God is a jealous God. We're to have no other gods before us. Now let's go back to our text in 2 Kings chapter 1 where where we see in verse number 3, the Bible says the angel of the Lord, who is that? Pre-incarnate Christ. He appears to the prophet, the man of God, Elijah, verse 3, the Tishbite. He says to him, I want you to arise. I want you to go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say unto them, Is it not because there's not a God in Israel that you go to inquire of Baal, the God of Ekron? I mean, I know your daddy served Baal. I know that you're serving Baal. But why do you turn to Baal? Why are you doing this? So I want you to notice three conditions God sees. The first one God sees is the readiness. I'll start with the R. The readiness of Elijah. Elijah was summoned by the Lord and Elijah was ready. Elijah was in a place that God could speak to him. Elijah was in a place of service. Elijah was prepared. When God spoke to him, he was obedient. When God told him, I want you to get up and go do this, he was obedient. Listen, he's fresh off, defeating 400 prophets of Baal already. Amen. He called down fire from heaven. Amen. And God did a supernatural work through the man of, Eli- man of God, Elijah. And just because Elijah has received victory after victory after victory, He's not in retirement mode. Amen. He's still ready to hear from God and he's going to do God's business. He's in condition to be used of God. Ask yourself a question tonight. Am I in a place that if God spoke to me about doing such and such, I would be ready and prepared to be obedient? We see, second of all, the rebellion of the king. Elijah has to say, why are you doing this? Why are you serving? Why are you seeking advice or counsel from a false god? Is it because there's not a god in Israel? God is insulted when we turn to other sources. God is insulted. When America, when our churches, when our families 
turn to other sources in times of trouble, in times of distress, in times of predicament. God is insulted. Listen, this preacher tonight may be as popular as a polecat in a perfume factory. But I'm telling you, we better learn to turn to God in times of trouble. This king, he has not turned to God, the Lord God, the jealous God, Jehovah Jireh God. He's turned to a false God. And God tells Elijah, you go tell the king he's not coming off the bed, the sick bed. He's going to die and not live. His condition is fatal. His condition is irreversible. Uh, you, you, since the king says there's no God, right, he's going to get no help. If you want to go to Baal, see if Baal helps you. You want to go to Baal to see if Baal's going to get you off that bed? See if Baal's going to get you off that bed. And once you figure out he can't, it's going to be too late. At America, we need to learn, we need to turn to the Lord God. Because our government cannot continue to bail us out. Amen. It just ain't going to work. They don't anyway. And I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to go to China. You're not going to be able to go to Russia. You're not going to, listen, you're going to have to go to God. He's the only one to help us. Amen. So you're not going to live long if you're going to do our Lord God wrong. You won't live to tell about it. I'm going to give you some verses. You can be sure your sins will find you out. To him that knoweth to do right and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. You will never keep your sin secret from the Lord. Ahaziah was looking to a false god. He thought he'd keep it quiet, but God knows all about it. So we see the readiness of Elijah. We see the rebellion of the king. I see a third one. Now Elijah, he gets up, obedient to God. He goes out, he, the Bible says in verse 4 that Elijah departed and somewhere along the way, here comes these messengers going to inquire of a false god and Elijah meets them. Elijah didn't walk up and say, hey, my name's Elijah. No, he did not. He walked up and he simply said to him, why is the king seeking a false god's advice because the Lord God reigns in Israel and because of this, He's going to die and not live. He will not recover. So you just turn yourselves around and go tell the king what God said. Third condition. You see the reception of the messengers. Those boys or whoever they were, the cabinet, the staff, the messengers, they believed Elijah and turned around. They received the word of God. They didn't keep going. So oh, we listen to you, yo fogey. We're going to keep going after serving Baal, the false god. They received the word from Almighty God. They believed and they went back and shared the message with the king. They went back and said, when they got back, the king said, why are you back already? You've not had time to go and, and, and seek Baal if I'm going to get better. Why are you turned back? They said, there came a man up and told us, boy, you're going to die and not live. So, Secondly, we see the conditions from God's perspective. Number three, we see Elijah. And I want to think about him for a second. He is characterized by God's practices. What do you mean by godly practices? Now, verse five. The king asked a question. Why are you now turned back? And they said, there's a man walked up and told us that you're going to die and not live. Verse seven. What the king said, what manner of man was he? which came up to meet you and told you these words. Verse 8, 
they answered him said, he was a hairy man. He was girt with a girdle of leather. Verse 8, the king said, it is Elijah. Now how did the king, who's obviously a sinner, who's obviously serving and promoting a false god, how did King Ahaziah know that it was Elijah the Tishbite? I'll tell you why. Two things. He's living a separated life, the man of God. You could tell that he was a man of God by his separated life. You, you, you understand that you introduce yourself by your appearance. I know I'm, I'm, I'm wandering out right here. Somebody's going to get mad at me. But you introduce yourself by your appearance. Some years ago, I had I was pastor in another church. It's been 25 years ago or so. I'd gone to the hospital to visit someone in our church. I put on my necktie after work to run up to the hospital real quick. I realize you don't always have to have the necktie on. But I thought I better, I felt Lord saying, you better put your necktie on. Put it on. So I was obedient. Put my necktie on. I went through the back way into the hospital. And when I went through the back way, it's kind of close to the emergency room. And there stands a woman holding a little boy in her arms. And she immediately locked her eyes on me and said, Preacher! How did she know? How did she know I was a preacher? How? I never met her. I didn't know her. How did she know? Was it the coat? Was it the necktie? Maybe. But I introduced myself by my appearance, by my behavior. And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, would you please pray? And she leaned her baby out, her little child out. She said, he's just been attacked by a vicious dog. And blood was all over. Down her front was all over. And I just fell at her feet and began to beg God. And as I was praying, as soon as I said amen, I stood up and they came rushing out to get her and to take her back to work on that little boy. And he lived through it and everything turned out to be well. But I was thankful to be there, uh, to be able to pray with that lady in her time of trouble. How did she recognize? You introduce yourself by your appearance. Elijah, his appearance was different from the world. Bible says he's wearing a girdle of leather about his loins. He's dressed like a man. In the world in which we live, you can't be too careful nowadays. Thank God for some men that dress like men and behave themselves and act like men rather than this effeminate bunch that's running around, amen. And when he stands up to preach the word of God, Hear me, not only does he have a separated life, he's got sacred lips. He's preaching what God's saying. This was not his idea. I'm not up here tonight preaching to you what it is my idea to preach. I'm trying to tell you what God has to say about it, amen. He's willing to be God's man and stand up and preach what God says. Whether the king likes it or not, I'm sure that was not popular with the king. I'm sure that was not popular with the messengers. I'm sure for me to stand up and say that the preacher ought to dress like a man and that men all over ought to be men. And it's okay to call a man a man and a woman a woman. Amen. Well, preacher Darren, you're going to go to Facebook jail. I've been there before. He's characterized by godly practices. It's his behavior. It's his character. It's his conduct. It's his reputation. It's his testimony. It's his lifestyle. He has a demonstration of godliness. 
Hey, can the world recognize you as a Christian? Fourthly, Elijah is consistent in his godly proclamations. Now we're going to go off script a little bit. I want to look now. The king has figured out, ah, oh, it's Elijah the Tishbite. He knew exactly who he was, a hairy man. I mean, I thank God for a hairy man. Amen. That's all right. Thank God. Amen. Now look with me here in verse 9. The king sent unto him a captain of 50 with his 50. And he went up to him, and behold, he sat on the top of a hill. Now Elijah is on the top of the hill. I would remind you that Jesus was crucified on the top of Golgotha's hill. Thank God for Calvary. And so the king says to a captain, Captain Apathy, I want you to go down there and I want you to arrest. I want you to capture Elijah. And listen to this, Luke. They sent the captain and 50 men. They were so afraid of that little old preacher, man. They sent 50 men to go get him. Now read with it. He spake unto him, Thou man of God, and I really think he's mocking him. Thou man of God, the king hath said. In other words, man of God, you so-called man of God, making fun of him. He believed that the king uh, was number one. He believed the king uh, was preeminent. And he said, the king hath said, come down. And what about that? Now, the, no doubt that this captain is doing his ordinary duty. He's probably went and arrested people before. It's a routine mission. He's arrested and captured people and brought them back to stand before the king and, and he thinks that the king is absolute and, and, and I'm not respecting the man of God. I don't really even think he's a man of God and I'm under orders. And so, verse 10, Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. Now, now time out. If that's Elijah saying that, I'd run for cover. I'd jump in the water somewhere real quick like and just hope for the best because he's called down fire before. And he said, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down. And you know Captain Apathy, who really don't care, who's indifferent to what's going on, he stands there and says, oh, yeah. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his 50. When God evaluated the situation, he saw Captain Apathy being irreverent. He saw Captain Apathy filled with ignorance of the situation. Now, come down, man of God. I'll tell you what came down. Fire did and burned him to the ground. Well, that crowd didn't come back, so verse 11, Preacher Darren, when are you going to get done? When I'm done, okay? I'm feeling pretty good right now. Again also, he sent unto him another captain of 50 with his 50. And he answered and said unto him, Oh, man of God. Now, he's changed his thought processor. Oh, man of God. He's still kind of arrogant. He's Captain Arrogant. Thus hath the king said, Come down quickly. You see, he added that little phrase. Because he thought, you know what? You may have defeated the first captain of his 50. I don't know how you did it. 
but I'm filled with pride and arrogance and buddy I've arrested people before and you little man of God are not going to stop me and you're not going to get in my way I'm not going to be defeated here I'm going to do as I please verse 12 and Elijah answered and said unto them if I be a man of God let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty so Elijah's turning the situation over to God's hand. He, 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 did, he, said God, he said, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down. The Bible says, and the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. God responded for his man in dramatic judgment upon Captain Apathy and Captain Arrogance. Don't you come up in here thinking you're going to be filled with arrogance and pride don't you come up in here and think you can be indifferent when you're serving God. God has a standard and God has requirements and God has expectations. He has been so very gracious and so merciful to us. How could we ever look for another? How could we ever turn somewhere else? Amen. We better be careful who it is we're dealing with. Verse 13. He sent again a captain of the third 50 with his 50. And the third captain of 50 went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him. Now, I'm going to call this one Captain Astute. He's smart. He's figured out the pattern. He understands there's something about the man of God being up on the hill close to the place called Calvary where he's seeking God's face asking God to help him. I better be careful what I'm dealing with here. He falls on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, Oh, man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these 50 thy servants be precious in thy sight. Well, can you, I just want to walk around a minute. Can you just see Captain Astute as he walks up there, the man of God's up on the hill, and he sees two big black burned out places. He says, I better be careful how I respond. God's already took 102 off the earth. I don't need it to be 153. I better be careful, amen. Oh, man of God, let my life and these 50 be precious in your sight. Oh, man of God. Listen, he didn't tell him, bless God, come down. He didn't tell him, he didn't order him around. He respected and he revered the things of God. Let me tell you something. This captain astute, he's got times of trouble he's facing too. He's responsible. He has orders from the king. He has a job to do, but he also is respectful of the man of God. Verse 14. Some of y'all reading ahead of me. Behold, there came down fire from heaven and burned up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. Please understand, sir, I have a job to do. I, ain't, I, I need this job really bad. Oh, help me. And the angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus, pre-incarnate, said to Elijah, go down with him. Be not afraid of him. And he arose and went down with him unto the king. He said, don't be afraid of Captain Astute. He's figured this thing out. Go on down there with him. Now, I'm just talking about how that God's man was consistent. He's consistent in his godly proclamation. He's, 
He's told the messengers what God said. Now he's getting ready to stand before the king directly. Verse 16. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it not because there's no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down off that bed on the which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. Now he's talking not to Captain Apathy or Captain Arrogant or to Captain Astute. He's talking to the chief authority. And let me tell you something, honey. Elijah is saying God's not changed his mind and I'm not changing his message. Thank God for a man that will stand with the word of God. Now listen, God's message didn't change just because King Ahaziah didn't want to hear it. Verse 17, so he died according to the word of the Lord which Elijah had spoken. What about that? He died just like God said. He did not recover from his fall. I said all that to say this. What do you do in times of trouble? May I say this tonight about you? Do you exhibit the same characteristics, the same behavior, the same mindset, the same conduct that Elijah did? And Elijah looked to the Lord in the middle of this trouble was consistent. What do you do? do, do are you the same person that you are at church when you're home? Are you the same person at home that you are at work? Are you the same? Elijah was the same in the pulpit as he was out of the pulpit. He's God's man. It didn't change just because he walked up on a stage and it was his time to preach. He was, he was the same all the time. And I'm asking you, church, if you're going to be a Christian and do the right thing, you've got to have a certain behavior that God's looking for in your life. And I'm not talking about perfection because we're all flesh and I mess up all the time. But God's looking for someone to be consistent with what God's called them to do. And the power of God would rest on your life if you'll become that. And then when you get in trouble, where do you turn? You turn to the King of Kings. You turn to the Lord of Lords. Where is it that you turn? I, I dare say, I, I dare say, that's probably sometime in the last week or two, or maybe this coming week, you're going to run into a problem. And the first thing you're going to try to do is solve it yourself. And you're going to mess it up worse than it already was. Maybe right now there's a problem in your family. And you don't even have time. You don't even want to go there. You don't want to get it on your mind. But there's been times where you've tried to fix it. You've tried to talk yourself through it. And, and try to talk somebody else through it. And you should have just took it to God and said, God... What am I supposed to do? I'll never forget one time. I was over at the school building, and uh, there was a pressure situation coming from out of, out of uh, Asheville. And I, I went to the prayer closet. The back room is a prayer closet for me. And I was back there praying, and, and I said, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to do. And God said, why do you think you need to say anything? You need to keep your mouth shut, let me handle this for you. 
I thought, oh, yes, God, you're going to roar against it. You, let me tell you what God did. He just moved it right off the scene. He just, just, just pretty as you please. It was completely gone. And don't you know, I, th- I went back in that back room and I thanked him and I praised him and I glorified him. I'm going to tell you something. There's coming a time of trouble. and Maybe you're in it right now. And you're going to try to adjust it yourself. And you're going to try, you're going to, you know, preacher Darren, I'm, I'm trying to get a loan. I'm, I'm, you first should pray about that thing before you go to see a bank and consider the rates and try to figure it all out. You better pray about it first. And let God lead you and guide you and show you. I'm telling you, if you don't, you're disrespecting the Lord God who saved you. And things are not going to turn out well because he wants to show you that his way is the best way. Be careful that you don't only look back in your life and see a couple of burnt places on the ground already where you messed it up. You ought to come and say, oh God, let my life be precious in your sight and the life of my little family. Lord, we have a crisis. We have problems. There's imminent danger. Lord, we turn to you. Will you help me? You stand to your feet tonight. God's speaking to somebody. I'm telling you, I know he is. Help us, Jesus. Our Father, I'll be the first to confess when trouble comes, Lord, we try to handle it ourselves and we need to stop and drop and pray. Lord, there's been times we didn't even respect the burnt places on the ground. We just tried to pursue the avenues that we thought would help us. And Lord, they didn't work out. Lord, forgive us as a church. Forgive us as families and individuals. Forgive us as a nation. Both I and my father's house, Nehemiah said, we've sinned against you, Lord. God, would you touch us and would you help us? Lord, my heart wants to be as sincere with you tonight as possible. Lord, I know just how easy it would be for you to remove us right off the face of the earth. And Lord, I do not want to be arrogant or disrespectful. But Lord, I want to report the facts and bow my face and say, oh God, Lord, let my life be precious in your sight. God, would you touch us? Let the life of my family be precious in your sight, Lord. Help us, God, that we might honor you and respect you and behave ourselves wisely and turn to you first in all cases. Forgive us, Lord. Lord, I'm turning a situation, a need, over into your hands because I can't figure it out. I can't solve it. I don't know what to do. And Lord, as I pray about one, two and three come to my mind. So God, I'm asking you, Lord, you handle it all. 
take care of it. Lord, fix it, I pray, in your will and in your way. And we'll be better off for it. And I praise you then for hearing my prayer request for mercy and for grace and for goodness. And for this I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. What manner of man was he? He was a hairy man. He had a leather girdle about his loins. Never seen nobody like him. He talked like nobody's ever talked before. It's the man of God, Elijah the Tishbite. It'll get out on you who you really are. You can't hide it forever. In my house, Luke, what kind of, what kind of dog do we have at the house? We got a big old Siberian Husky. Oh, she's just fluffy. And furry, and I was down here praying, said amen, looked down, got a dog hair on my leg. There's another one. Lord, there's another one. Got one on my coat, and as I started to speak, got one somehow off my handkerchief, and it got in my mouth. You can't run with the dogs and it not get out on you. As soon as I walked in today from church she met me at the door she licked my hands she started sniffing the back of my leg saying oh you've been to church again today yep you've been to church again that's where you've been and uh, when she licks me it's her form of worship and even my dog knows how to worship its master and we as God's people we don't worship our master and our maker we try to solve everything on our own my dog she depends on me to give her water. She depends on me to give her food. She wouldn't have anything without me. Nothing. And I'm telling you, we wouldn't have nothing without God. We'd have zilch. Absolutely not a, not a thing. We would have nothing were it not for him. And I just want to take time out to say, Woo! I love him and I praise him and honor him because he's my God. Can you help me? Doesn't my God deserve a little praise? I came in tonight to worship Him and I came in tonight to praise Him and I came in to give Him glory. He saved my soul. He forgave my sins and I'm on my way to heaven. What a God He is. He is Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. He's the Christ, the day star, the eternal one, our Father, our God, our hallelujah, the Holy One. He's Emmanuel. Jesus is His name. King of kings, Lord of lords, Master, Messiah, name above all names, omnipotent, omniscient he is. He's the quick, he's the redeemer, he's the savior, he's the triumph, he's the unique one, he's the victor, he's the witness, he's the excellent one. He is Yahweh and he's the zenith of all my hopes and all my expectations and jealous is his name.